What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Monday morning. It's uh, Monday morning before week three. That's exciting. That means football is actually here. We got some good nuggets from the weekend to talk about as it relates to week two. It's preseason action. Tonight, we have Ravens and Colts. Watch out. It's a scorcher. It is Ravens and Colts, right? It is, yes. In Indianapolis, no less. I am Will Brinson. I'm your host. Um, You can subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. We greatly appreciate it if you do that. Apparently, people who are good at this say that you can unsubscribe and then resubscribe, which feels like a real pain in the bottom, as we say at the Brinson household. But if you want to do it, do it. Go ahead. Uh, I should be sending out fantasy football details to you all at some point in the next few hours, hopefully, and we'll start slow drafts. You can still join the CBS Sport, the the Pick 6 Podcast Pick'em League. Go to pick6pod.football. .cbssports.com, and if you can't get it to work, just tweet at me, and I'll give you the link to get in. Sometimes our leagues are stupid and dumb. Let's get to the action. John Breach and Sean Wagner joining me on the show. John, what's up, buddy? Hey, you know what you're talking about? Subscribing. Everybody's going to be hanging out with friends Labor Day weekend. What you do, you grab their phone, you kind of steal it. Boom, subscribe to the podcast. They won't even know. Then it will pop up. They'll love it. You'll be even better friends, Sean. I want you to I want you to sneak around the next brand new show you go to and subscribe everybody's phone to to the Pick Six podcast. Deal. I was gonna say I don't think I have enough friends Zach, to make a difference, <laughs> so I think you can just count me out of that effort. You, you know yeah. what I? You know what I? You know what I did that is kind of cheating, but it I think it worked. Is like I had I tweeted that roughing the passer penalty from the Vikings Jaguars game. And it like blew up and got a bunch of retweets, and so I, I like below it. I was like, "We'll discuss this on the podcast on Monday." Here's a link, <laughs> but it actually like got some got some clicks or something on it. So um, good for me for gaming the system. I'm glad you snuck in your little humble brag about getting a lot of retweets too for That's shooting cool. a little video, as Prisco nice. would would take great enjoyment from. <laughs> well, it did involve the Jaguars, so at least Pete would kind of. Like <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, That's <laughs> actually my one big takeaway from the weekend is that we have a, a crisis. An imminent crisis on our hands in the NFL. Um, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but this helmet rule and this roughing the passer stuff is is a, it looks like a problem. So in this in in, in this instance, um, Cody Kessler was the Jaguars' backup quarterback, and he gets tackled by a backup Vikings defensive lineman who sort of moves a little bit as they're going to the ground. The refs throws the flag, and John, you wrote about this early in August, and we talked about it in in Slack on on Saturday. There's this rule in place now that the NFL never really announced that was happening, and then all of a sudden it was there in late in early August. It's called the it's, it's we'll call it the Aaron Rodgers rule. Essentially, if you stuff a quarterback into the ground while you're sacking him, or if you use your weight to drive him into the ground, um, you can be flagged for roughing the passer on a routine sack penalty, and it reared its head on Saturday, right? Now, or if they think you're driving your weight right. into him, because on Saturday it really looked like. Uh, our Vikings guy, it, he looked like he did everything he could not to hurt Cody Kessler. He had a free shot at the quarterback. He probably could have murdered Cody Kessler. Instead, he kind of gently threw him down. It didn't seem like anything that should have been penalized. So it was pretty shocking. Maybe we just kind of postpone the final two weeks of the preseason. We have a big meeting. Everybody in the NFL headquarters in New York and say, all right, guys, we need to figure out this rule because – Week one of the regular season could just be an outright mockery if the officials are throwing flags on plays like that. Yeah, it's it's. Do you think that this is a bigger problem, Sean, or do you think the helmet rule, which for those that don't know, basically if you lower your head as a defensive player or an offensive player and you initiate contact um, with another player, 
you can be flagged. I mean, I would guess the helmet rule is a bigger problem, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think that we saw the video that the NFL's head of officiating tweeted out earlier in the week. And they didn't include any indicators of what the flags were on certain plays. They were just saying these plays would be illegal. And you just couldn't find the plays without rewatching it four or five times. And what's happening is that it's not on a quarterback getting hit. It's on a, you know, a guard pulling and leading with his helmet slightly as he's blocking for a running back. And I think that it's going to be impossible to, to spot. And I think with the, the sack rule, I'm actually okay with it because I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers get hurt and I don't want to watch Brett Hundley or Ted a Bears fan. Wow, a Bears I fan. I, I'm, just, I'm saying that like I'm all for giving quarterbacks like way too much protection to the point where you can't touch them. I'm fine with that. I know like a lot of people, it's going to be frustrating. There's going to be times when your team – um, gets uh, you know get gets called 15 yard penalty for a normal sack, but if the alternative is we're gonna have quarterbacks dropping like flies, you know I'm all for these rules. Um, the helmet rule is just concerning to me though, just because it it's not just a quarterback rule, and you're gonna see offensive linemen I think get flagged, and we're gonna watch the replay, and we're not gonna know who they called it on. I don't li- I don't like that with this roughing the passer penalty. I think John, you kind of touched on this. I don't like the fact that they can legislate intent into it. Like, they're basically saying, oh, he looked like he's trying to hurt this quarterback, trying to drive this quarterback into the ground. I mean, and with the same thing with the helmet rule, like, you're basically asking these defenders to alter the, 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 the laws of physics on the fly. And to, sometimes these guys, I mean, so like if, and I'm, I'm making a motion like somebody can see it, but, you know, someone will be, an offensive player will be coming towards a defensive player, and the defensive player lowers his head and turns in order to tackle him with his shoulder. And the refs are flagging that. It's like, dude, that's a, a picture-perfect textbook tackle where he made sure to get him with a form in the middle of the body so he didn't attack his head, he didn't attack his lower body. And, I, I mean, I get the idea of trying to throw out guys who are flying in with their helmets and trying to use their helmet as a weapon. They've been trying to get that out of the game for years. They've done a better job of it. But now it seems like they've made this rule so broad, so vague, that, it, John, it just leaves it too open to interpretation. Well, I think, Brenton, if there's one thing we learned about Deflategate, if we learned one thing from that, it's that the NFL doesn't really care about the laws of physics. So, (laughs) you know, intent, we can judge anything however we want, and that's what they're going to do. So, you know, no, a defender cannot stop himself. A a thing moving at full force is not just going to slow down and magically not be able to tackle someone. That's not how physics works. But no one cares about that. What we care about is keeping the game safe, even if it defies all laws of thermonuclear dynamics. Um, Do you guys think that uh, with both of these rules that maybe like we're making too big of a deal of it, it's the preseason and that they're probably maybe over-legislating it and like it's going to be week one and they're just not going to call these penalties because they know it's going to be a huge uproar. And like I feel like there was a preseason or two ago, I can't remember what the rule change was, but there was a rule change and I think they were calling it like crazy in the preseason. Was it the, um, was it the runner with the crown of the helmet thing? Maybe, and I just remember like people, people were people concerned freaked about, about it that and then in it the never preseason, happened. and then nothing happened in the regular season. I think like maybe the officials, it's preseason for them too, are kind of figuring out, and like maybe I'm not saying the NFL would like change the rule, but maybe they see the reaction and they tell the officials to chill a bit on calling it. Like that wouldn't surprise me if like this is just like a preseason overreaction and then the season comes and we're just not going to see we're going to see like one or two instances of this based on the way that they've called it this preseason it would be a pretty i mean I, i'm with you I, I could see that being an outcome it would be a pretty big shock if they just reverse course and we're like 
blast away with your helmets, guys. But wait, we'll see. I mean, it's there's enough negative feedback towards the league that certainly they're going to have to do something. Fortunately, we live in the golden age of quarterbacking, and that was your big takeaway from the weekend, right, Sean? Young quarterbacks trying to take number one jobs? Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, I hated Josh Allen as a prospect coming out of college. I thought he was. I thought he was going to be a Christian Hackenberg. Ass. Yeah, the, the quote, the great Jalen Ramsey. I did think he was trash. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised by what he did on Friday. Like, I don't think he was perfect. Like, there's definitely flaws there. He's going to throw a lot of interceptions and make mistakes. But he has, you know, NFL caliber traits that I think show that he's ready. I think week one or week two to step in there. I'm not saying he's going to be good. I think the Bills just aren't going to be good. Period. Regardless if he's that quarterback. But you look at who's on. Their depth chart, you have A.J. McCarron, who I know Breach is a Bengals fan here, and A.J. McCarron is a, is a Bengals legend. Um, Breach is giving <laughs> me the thumbs down. Um, it's not like Josh Allen is going up against some top pick. You know what I mean? Josh Allen is the top pick. You're going to start Nathan Peterman, a fifth-round pick over him? Like, what is the point of that? Josh Allen's going to start at some point, and I understand the argument of keeping him on the bench if you don't think he's ready and you think he's going to get thrown in there and then his entire career is going to go down the drain because he wasn't ready. But he looks ready. Like, he looks as ready as I think a rookie can look. And then the other side of that is is Baker Mayfield. And I think his situation is a little bit different because Tyrod, or Tarod, um, sorry, oh, is actually, um, he's a better quarterback than what the Bills have. So I understand um, the Browns wanting to be competitive right away. They just went 1-31 in over the last few years. I understand that, you know, they're craving a win or two. Um, but what is the point of sticking Baker Mayfield behind Tyrod Taylor, they're Tyrod Taylor. Um, <laughs> Mayfield looked more NFL ready than Josh Allen. I mean, I think the thing that impressed me the most from Friday night was his footwork. You look at him, and you know, you might think, oh, he's going to panic under pressure and just take off and run. Yes, he's going to run, but his eyes are up, are upfield, looking down for receivers the entire time, and it was kind of Russell Wilson esque, I thought. Um, so I don't see any point why these two teams are going to start bridge quarterbacks when the top picks are look NFL ready. And I think the Bears made a mistake last year, benching Trubisky behind Glennon and not even giving him a chance. And I think at the very least, they should open up the competition. What is the harm? You know, Tarad has been in the league for a long time. He can handle the competition. He's not going to be insulted by it. I'm bothered by this whole Tarad thing because I feel like I'm forcing myself to say Tarad. And it, it when Brogan Roback was like too too bad, like I thought it it sounded like a loafer wearing type of situation. Um, yeah, I like, the only argument I would have with starting Tyrod over seriously, it's really annoying. Can't we? It just needs to be Tyrod um, over Baker Mayfield. Is that if the Browns stink out of the gate with Tyrod, they can go to Baker easily. If they stink out of the gate with Baker, it's like a setback type of thing to go to Tarod. And they do, at like some point, Hugh Jackson will make a change at quarterback if they're not winning, right, John? Uh, well, Brinson, I think you have to look at the flip side of that, though. What if you throw our boy Tarod Taylor in? He goes 10 and 6. The Browns make the playoffs. Now, how in the heck are you going to bench him in 2019 when he just led the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs for the first time in 16 years? I don't think you can. I don't even think the public. And Cleveland would want Baker Mayfield to start if Taylor leads them to the playoffs. So there is that. And everybody's hyping up Cleveland. Brinson, you're like the engineer on that hype train. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. I drive the Chargers bandwagon, sir. Don't <laughs> disparage me. But, but you're uh, driving that to, one to the Super Bowl. Only Cleveland to maybe to, you know, uh, eight or nine wins. To Rod, by the way, 
is only under contract through 2018, so they would have to franchise tag him, which I think is sort of the out you have if, if you're if you're the Browns. It's like, okay, worst case is this guy takes us to the Super Bowl and we franchise tag him and trade him and then go with Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? So I mean, at least, but I'm with you. Like, like if that's your problem, if the if the Browns' problem is Tarad took them to the to the playoffs, then you just deal with whatever the ramifications of that are because they won't care if like if if Hugh Jackson. Uh, you know, quarterbacks in a Donald Duck outfit with no pants on at that point. Like, they like they won't care because they went to the playoffs. It's like the Bills this year. The Bills Bills fans don't care. They're playing with house money because they, they went to the playoffs last year. They could care less um, what happens. Okay, uh, elsewhere on Friday night, Josh Rosen also played. Um, Sean, would you say well, – how would you grade Josh Rosen's performance on Friday? Oh, he was fine. I don't – like, he didn't make any of the jaw-dropping plays. I mean, fine in a good way. He was bad in his debut, and I thought he settled down. Um, I think what helped is I think he was playing more with the first team, and he had better protection as a result, just playing behind the starters. Um, that's that's funny because I actually thought going into the draft he was the most NFL-ready guy. Uh, but he might be the guy who I looked at so far, and I'm like, I get why Bradford's going to be starting. And that's not necessarily a slight on Rosen. Um, I just like, I don't know, like he, like he's fine. And like, I don't want to like make it seem like he was bad. Um, but he kind of lacks a little bit of the flash. I think that like the Mayfield has, or even the Allen has. Um, and so he needs to like refine all the, like the little aspects that is what's going to make him a good pro. And I like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Cardinals sitting him behind Bradford. And I think they should be encouraged by what they saw out of Rosen. But if you look at Bradford's stats from that night, he also played really well. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think to me that's an easy no-brainer situation. You keep going with Rosen, I mean, excuse me, you go keep going with Bradford until he's not healthy anymore, and it might not be long uh, behind that uh, that offensive line, which is has not looked great. Um, John, when you look at Thursday night's games, do you? Or we're going to combine Thursday and Saturday, or Friday and Saturday here. Excuse me. Um, would you right now? Would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Patrick Mahomes? Ooh, that is a tough question. But you know what? It, I mean, who's my coach? Is my coach Andy Raiders? My coach Kyle Shanahan in this situation? Because I, I think both which one's, coaches, which one's better? I mean, that's a. I mean, would you? You don't I'll tell take either. Don't. I'll take. I'll take Jimmy. With Kyle it, wait, Shanahan, is, is Andy Dalton an option in this scenario? <laughs> no. He's, yeah, sure. If you want. <laughs> okay, I'll still take. I'll take Jimmy. <laughs> you know, like. Patrick Mahomes has an absolute can, and we saw that. That ball going 69 yards in the air for a touchdown is so absurd. I mean, I literally spent three hours on the internet on Saturday night, which is basically my life. If anybody is an aspiring uh, sports writer out there, three hours on the internet on a Saturday night, it's, you know, it's a party. But, you know, nobody has thrown a pass that far for a touchdown in the NFL uh, in the last 20 years. Like, there's literally no one out there. So you're talking about that's talent. You know, anybody can throw. There's a lot. Almost every NFL quarterback can throw the ball 70, 80 yards. But putting it on the spot isn't easy. But then you saw a couple throws he missed. He just, I, you know, I just love what Jimmy did more. He did throw an interception in his game. Not, his, not it, his fault. Not his fault, though. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And he was almost perfect. So you take out that pass. It wasn't his fault. You take don't count that. He was 10 of 11. Uh, and I really liked what Garoppolo did. I, I still think Patrick Mahomes is a little raw, so I'm actually a little queasy about picking the Chiefs to do anything this year. I don't think they're going to win their division, uh, 
But Mahomes is good. He'll get better. But I don't think he's as good as Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I think with Mahomes, a couple of things to take away from that performance, and I'll mention Jimmy Garoppolo too, is that um, people are going to freak out by great things that Mahomes does, and they're going to freak out by terrible things that Mahomes does. And that's how it's going to be. Ross Tucker was on this podcast and pointed out it's going to be like 93 Favre, where it's like, oh, yes, and then like, oh, no. There's going to be a lot of that. There's not going to be a whole lot of, oh, what a subtle movement by Patrick Mahomes and a nice little slant he threw there. Like he's he's either going to be up or he's going to be way up or way down. Uh, I think that Tyreek Hill um, is somebody who I'm a little more interested in in terms of fantasy than I have been over the past few weeks and few months, mainly because I thought Tyreek Hill was sort of overrated just, just because, you know, you're asking, like, it's a hit or miss guy. You know, he's not somebody that is, is necessarily volume heavy. He only had 75 receptions last year. But when you see that pass in 68.8, very close to nice yards from Patrick Mahomes in the air, I mean, Tyreek Hill could end up having 10 to 12 of those that are way down the field because he can outrun everybody and Mahomes can outthrow everybody. And so at the end of the day, like, it, if you have Sammy Watkins and you have Travis Kelsey and you have Kareem Hunt, you can't put all of your defensive resources into stopping Tyreek Hill. And I think Tyreek Hill could end up being a major boom uh, fantasy a- uh, asset. The other guy I think that is really rising up at my personal draft boards is Marquise Goodwin, who was a speed guy coming out of college, an Olympic, Olympic level, literally an Olympic level runner, um, went to Buffalo. They misused him because that's how Buffalo rolls. And then he gets to San Francisco. And now he's developing into like a complete route runner, a guy who can make every catch out there and who's becoming – Jimmy Garoppolo's trusted target, and in Kyle Shanahan offenses, Sean, you oftentimes see a buttload of targets directed to that number one receiver. Speaking of the the Bills' mismanagement of receivers, it's crazy <laughs> if you look at their like depth chart for receiver like four years ago, and at the time everyone's like, oh, these are a bunch of no name receivers who aren't any good, and then you look at where they are now and what they're doing. You have Goodwin, who's probably going to be you're saying Garoppolo's number one target. You have Robert Woods who actually had a really incredible season um, a year ago. And kind of uh, talking about a fantasy guy that I think is a little bit overlooked, I love Robert Woods. Yeah. I think, um, I think you know, Brandon Cooks is going to take, you know, um, the big shots downfield. And I think Robert Woods could be like the red zone guy who catches 10 touchdowns, you know, with 1,000 yards. Um, and then you have Chris Hogan also, who is probably going to be Tom Brady's top target, not named uh, Rob Gronkowski. Um, so it's just, it's kind of funny that, you know, when they were on the bills, everyone was like, oh, the bills have no receivers. They leave the bills. And now these guys were all legit weapons on, on different teams around the league. I think that the lesson is that the bills might, might be terrible. Uh, very quickly, we talked about this with Heath Cummings on Friday in previewing the weekend worth looking at the Lions snaps and the Lions rush count for, for their running backs, because that's a position that people are trying to figure out, you know, who's going to end up doing what, um, the Garrett Blunt, 11 carries against the giants for 32 yards. Carry uh, on Johnson, just four carries for nine yards. Uh, Amir Abdullah had two for seven yards. Theo Riddick, one for six yards. And then Theo Riddick had three targets and three receptions for 50 yards. So it seems like, as Heath sort of pointed out, like this is basically going to be a Patriots backfield in Detroit. And it's, I, like if it's a, if I got a rookie draft or something like that, I'll go after Carry on Johnson, but I'm, I'm kind of avoided at all costs. And I don't even know what to think about the Lions in, in general? Do, do you, as in Breach, do you have an opinion on the Lions in 2018? I have, I have, I want to like them, but I don't like them as much as the Bears and I don't like them in that division. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the exact – real quick, the fantasy, though. It's like stay away from those running backs because if you've ever – I mean, last year I had Deion Lewis, <laughs> and the first four weeks of the season, he wouldn't do anything. Then you, as soon as you put him on the bench, he explodes for about 25 points, and then you're just throwing stuff against walls. You're breaking computers because he produces every time you have him on the bench, and that's what will happen if you draft any of these Lions running backs. So just save yourself from you know all the drama, from being upset and frustrated every Sunday. Uh, but, you know, the lines, like you just said, that division is just loaded. I know Sean loves the Bears. I know he loves Bears at the zoo, but he also loves the Chicago Bears this year. Uh, and so it's <laughs> you could make an argument that the Lions are the worst team in that division, which, you know, they have a veteran quarterback. Uh, their defense isn't bad. They're not built. You know, they're not the Buffalo Bills bad. But th that division is just so loaded that it's hard to seeing them get over 500 yeah i think i think i've picked the lions to finish last in the nfc north for like the last four years and it just it hasn't happened but every year i'm like this is the year the bears leapfrog the lions for third in the division and i'm definitely not revert i think i actually think this is the year it actually happens i'm staying with it fifth times the charm how many years it's been i just i look at them and they just have like i think they have a high floor like i don't think they're gonna win three games like i think they're gonna win somewhere between five and eight games like to me, they just scream like seven and nine team. You know, like Stafford's good enough to keep them in games. Um, and was it was it last year or two years ago when Stafford went on that incredible MVP-esque run where he was leading them to comeback after comeback after comeback? He two broke Peyton Manning's two years ago. Yeah. Last that's year, me, last like, year he was good until he hurt his hand, but two years ago was the comeback. Right, right, and that to me is just like the kind of team they are. Like they're not good enough to to, to beat up on bad teams and they're not bad enough to get slaughtered by the good teams, they're always going to kind of hang around there. And a lot of it is just going to come down to luck. And, you know, if the bounces go their their way, if you know, if Prater drills the field goals and stuff like that. So I, I, I wouldn't be confident betting on them. Um, they're just a team that's always going to hang around. And I think they're going to be in, in, in between 6 and 10, 7 and 9, somewhere in that range. Uh, John, who would you rather have, the Jaguars defense or the Vikings defense? These two. Uh-uh. Jaguars defense all the way. And you know what? I love Mike Zimmer. He spent a good – he built up the Bengals defense in Cincinnati. He really got them going, uh, you know, when they were making the playoffs five years in a row. But – and I love what he's done in Minnesota. But the Jaguars defense is just loaded. But I love the fact that they're in the AFC because I think all the most of the offenses in the AFC aren't that good. So uh, just by that nature, it allows the Jaguars – to be better, and if I had to pick one team's defense, well, you know, like the Jaguars, they get to go them, up. Why do you call them the Jaguars? <laughs> Jaguars? <laughs> Jaguars. Isn't it Jaguars? Jaguars? I think I say Jaguars, too. You guys say Jaguars? Uh, That's like it's saying easier Because if I say Jaguar, then you have to stop <laughs> and think about Jaguars. Jaguars. Okay. Jaguars. Huh. I'll, I'll take Jackson's Jaguars. defense. Um, I will. Uh, I'm sorry, we didn't have any Jaguars in Cincinnati when I was growing <laughs> up. Uh, they weren't just roaming around the nature like they were during your childhood. So it's not a word I ever, uh, you know, mentioned, talked about, said. Dad, can 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 Jeeves take me to school in the Jaguar today? <laughs> um, dude, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack into time and finish up Friday, lest I forget it. Uh, the one thing I want, or the two things I want to point out from the Panthers Dolphins game. That was not that entertaining, but perfectly fine. Um, I thought Ryan Tannehill looked better than I expected him to look, and I throwing five yard passes. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah, right. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't sexy. Don't get me wrong, but like the the group of receivers that Adam Gase has constructed there 
with adding Albert Wilson, adding Danny Amendola. Like, he created – you get Kenyon Drake in the backfield. He's got a dink and dunk game. Like, I think it can work. It's not going to be – it's not going to blow anybody away, but they can win seven to nine games with it and hope some stuff flips their way. Uh, I, I was at least, like, impressed with his accuracy. And I thought Kenyon Drake – I might be too low on Kenyon Drake in terms of drafts. You know, he carried it eight times for 54 yards, had a long of 34. Um, but he, he just he's just – He's really explosive and quick in between the tackles when he gets the ball and clearly you know, capable of catching if he wants three catches, three targets, just four yards. Um, the other guy who was the bigger story, especially in North Carolina, Christian McCaffrey. Holy crap. I mean, he had a 71-yard touchdown run, which I'm sure everybody has seen. If you haven't seen it, go look at it. It was on a, a second and one, and they fed, they fed him the ball in between the tackles, and he gets outside, and it's just over. And – the takeaway that I have from that game, and sort of as a larger thing, because I was I was looking at this over the weekend, but Christian McCaffrey and last year Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, stop me if I pronounce that wrong, Kamara, Alvin Kamara had Alvin Jaguar, Alvin Jaguar. Wait, what? How do you actually pronounce his name? Is I think it Kamara? I think Kamara. I thought it was Kamara. I think it's Kamara or something. It's something weird. It's like Kamara. Isn't a isn't that a car? It's a Camry. <laughs> No, I think there's a camera. Maybe I'm wrong. It's, it's, it's like if you're saying, if you're like, Daddy, can I borrow the camera today? Um, at any rate, if you look at Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, they had almost identical stat lines in terms of targets, catches, touch it, and touches, right? The only difference was efficiency. And, and Alvin was far more efficient than Christian McCaffrey 6.1 yards per attempt, rushing over 10 yards per catch. But I almost wonder if there might not just be an automatic bump based on um, getting Mike Shula out of town and getting North Turner in, and that McCaffrey is like a late second-round pick could end up being a really good value even in non-PPR leagues because you're capable of having a running back who's going to be featured. The Panthers are going to run him. He's going to get those touches. And I think that he could be somewhere in the middle of where Kamara and McCaffrey were last year and end up having a really nice season. Am I insane for thinking that? Let me ask you this. Would you rather have in fantasy football Christian McCaffrey or Melvin Gordon? Melvin Gordon. Really? Okay. I I think Melvin Gordon's a top ten pick. Okay. No, but, I, I think that's but I think that is like kind of for me where McCaffrey starts to enter the discussion. No, no, like no, McCaffrey or Joe Mixon. Ooh, that you're right. Like I have I have a group of tiers I've been doing over the weekend for my big draft on Friday. Um and he's got I got McCaffrey and Mixon and Melvin. Melvin Gordon's a top guy in the second tier, right? Like I got like six running backs and then Melvin Gordon. Um, I would take Melvin Gordon and then McCaffrey and then Mixon, but I, I, I think it's close. Like, am I am I wrong for having McCaffrey over Mixon? Breach, you're a Mixon guy. I mean, I wouldn't say you're wrong. We know McCaffrey's going to get a lot of touches in Carolina, uh, and you know Mixon is going to get a lot of touches. But you also have Gio Bernard in Cincinnati. Uh, and there's always that small threat that he's taking some of those touches away from Mixon. So I would probably go McCaffrey, uh, you know, maybe a notch or two above Mixon if I was in a fantasy draft. And those were my only two options. Uh, but That's I do big like Mixon from a Bengals fan. That's big. I love Mixon this year too. Like I'm hoping I'll be perfectly fine in th- in this draft. I have the number six pick overall. And the perfect scenario is David Johnson falls to me at six. I've talked to the guys ahead of me. It's on the table. It's on the table. 
It's either who's gonna let what league is this in that David Johnson's gonna fall well, to six? It's either what league is this in that you're talking the guys ahead of you and breaking down negotiation? <laughs> I no, know. It's not negotiations. I'm just like, who, like, what's the deal? Like, I got we're doing I'm doing intel, man. That's good work, guys. I'll buy you a Jaguar if you let David Johnson <laughs> no, no, drive no, no, no. to six. It's not neg- no, like, ba- like, it's either I mean, at six, you're gonna get your choice of David Johnson, Saquon Barkley, um, or Antonio Brown. That's just when you add in the three, you know, I mean, and Right, I mean, like, not David Johnson. You be you're gonna get you're gonna be guaranteed one of Antonio Brown or Saquon Barkley or Kareem Hunt. Maybe David Johnson falls if somebody reaches for Alvin Kamara or something. If like someone that. in your draft is drunk, how is he dropping to six? I I know the guy who's picking a five. I froze up there. That's kind of funny looking. I, 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 looked, know, I your, looked, your image is fantastic. I look drunk right on Skype. Oh, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, I know the guy who's picking a five. And he's going – I can't say what he's doing, but he's going a little bit off board. Um, he's told me he is. So he's going to take a guy that is not – I'm going to have my cho- – I'm going to either get Antonio Brown, Saquon Barkley, or David Johnson. One of those Dude, three. This, this sounds like a classic fancy draft smokescreen, to be honest. Could I think be. he's playing you. Could be. I think, I agree. I'm just he's saying, just feeding, He's just feeding Brenton what he wants to hear. And and yeah, Brenton's this, just eating it up and – it's possible he's he is a smoke screener um but but ideally i want to get one of those running backs hunt barkley or david johnson and then on the wrap get what like Devontae adams mike evans um aj green you know uh, keenan allen like who are one of these elite wide receivers that falls back there and they will fall back because somebody's gonna reach for quarterback somebody will take gronk and then on the in the third round you know you'd love to get like a christian mccaffrey or a joe mixon um as your running back too you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's the sort of one, two, three combo I'm looking for. And I think that's a, I mean, look, anything can happen, but I think that's kind of a, a league winner situation, at least in my opinion. Am I crazy? Am I crazy? I mean, Brenton, I feel like you're going to end up, after all this talk, you're going to end up with Nathan Peterman as the sixth overall pick. <laughs> <laughs> entirely Maybe possible. Blake Bortles. We, we all see it coming. We're, <laughs> we're playing 18 holes and then drafting. So it's entirely yeah. possible that I get really drunk and then, um, and then, and then ended up making a mistake and taking Nathan Peterman at number six. Okay, uh, let's wrap up. On, oh, yeah, Blake Bortles. So, Blake Bortles is the Jaguars quarterback, and he, looked, he, he looks like crap. He threw, should have thrown two interceptions early on. Um, should the Jaguars trade for Blake for uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Sean? Yes, yes, yes. I don't understand how, like, why they wouldn't trade for them. And, like, there's this whole argument of, like, why would they give up a draft pick or two draft picks for a quarterback who might not be as good as Blake Bortles, because we don't know what Teddy Bridgewater is anymore. And I, I just, that argument doesn't, I think we've kind of learned over the last couple of years that draft picks are a little bit overvalued now. And that I think Jaguars right now with their defense are in their Super Bowl window. And I think they should be committing every single resource to winning a championship within the next two, three years before all these defensive guys, these young guys need to get paid and they can't afford it. Like, the Rams have like shown us and like the Eagles have shown us that like you got to go for it within that like window when you have these players on their rookie contracts. And so I think that if you have to burn a fourth round pick, a third round pick to get a potential upgrade at quarterback, and even if Teddy Bridgewater is only a like marginal upgrade over Blake Bortles, this is a team that lost by four points in, in the AFC championship game. Like those margins matter. Like having a slightly better quarterback matters. It means you don't have to just run the ball when you're up 14 points against the Patriots and you can actually feel confident throwing the ball. And I think Teddy Bridgewater's stats weren't good in Minnesota, but I think if you look at the film and what he did, he was playing behind a horrible offensive line. And that offense was pretty much hand the ball to Adrian Peterson, hand the ball to Adrian Peterson, and don't throw an interception. And I think if you actually put him in a right offense, I think he could be a star. 
And I think Blake Bortles has had his chance and he's had flashes, but you just don't know what you're going to get out of Blake Bortles in the playoffs. He could be the guy we saw last year in the playoffs, or it could be the guy that we've seen for the rest of his career. Would you, do you want the Jaguars to trade for Teddy Bridgewater or would you rather the Bengals trade for Teddy Bridgewater breach? Well, here, let me say this is watching. I haven't watched every snap of every game the Jets have played. But Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played with the ones yet in a preseason game, has he? No. So he's been out there. He's been out there dicing up second and third teams, which is nice and all. But I'm not giving up a first round pick. I'm not doing anything out of crazy desperation if I'm the Jaguars from a guy who I have no idea (laughs) can play with the ones right now. Uh, You know, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks dice up teams in the third quarter of a preseason game. That doesn't mean you're going to be awesome. That doesn't mean Teddy Bridgewater won't be good. Uh, I just still think. You know, Sean already mentioned it's been, what, two years since he's played. So we don't know how he's going to react to playing against a starting defense, playing against a group of ones. Uh, so it's it would be a high risk to because you're undermining Blake Bortles, too. You know, you bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Let's say he's not better than Blake Bortles. Then you're just in a crazy, awkward situation uh, that you probably don't want to be in when you have a Super Bowl window of maybe another year or two before that thing blows up in Jacksonville. One uh, one team that could make sense for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the Rams, who the Rams and Raiders played on Saturday. That was actually the next game, the 4 o'clock game. It, it, interesting little uh, booth combo with uh, Andrew Siciliano, Peter Schrager, and Nate Burleson. It was like, I like how these teams are doing these fun booths. Like, I don't need a, I don't need a legitimate, like, 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 here's, like, oh, like, you know, Whatever I don't I don't need a legitimate play by play situation. I need I need good play by play and some entertaining discussion going on in the booth about large. Right, it's a preseason game. We don't exactly. care what's happening yeah, yeah, after yeah. the first quarter. It's yeah. like keep us entertained. I mean, if any executives out there are listening, I think Sean, Will, and I would make a great Week Four preseason broadcasting right. team. Nobody's watching those guys play in Week Four, and just throw us in the booth. We'll drive in the viewers by the hundreds uh i don't want to dive too deep into that game but the rams are an interesting team for teddy bridgewater too if only because they don't have a good backup situation uh sean mannion is their quarterback 10 to 16 84 yards jason locker for has talked about it on this podcast before uh there's just questions about you know whether he can be a quality backup and look something could happen to jared goff and then you want somebody to turn to the rams would make sense in, in that perspective from that perspective to go after teddy bridgewater two guys uh uh, is it Chris Warren? Chris Warren? Chad Warren? Cliff Warren? What's what's his name? Warren for the Raiders. Warren for the Raiders ran for uh, 18 times for 110 yards and a touchdown. I think it's Chris. Um, th- you should uh, keep him on your radar as a late-round flyer. Don't freak out about it, but just let it be known there. That he's the fifth on the depth chart, but he ran for a lot of yards. And then uh, John Kelly, who's Jim Kelly? Jeff Kelly? Um, it's John Kelly. I'm just kidding. Um, he's the backup to Todd Gurley, more than likely. 18 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. If Todd Gurley, you should handcuff Todd Gurley with Kelly if uh, if you're if you're doing your drafts this week. And I actually like Kelly as like a late round flyer for anybody. Um, elsewhere on Saturday action, the Bengals and the Cowboys played. Red alert, injury siren. Zach Martin left the game with a knee injury, but Jerry Jones optimistic. Supposed to get the final news on it. Um, we were, we're recording this since a Sunday in the afternoon. Jerry Jones says they're optimistic. Thinks it's a hyperextended right knee. Drake Kirkpatrick went low on him. Um, does the fact that the Cowboys could be one injury away from maybe the offensive line not being good again concern you about Zeke Elliott, Sean? No, because isn't that true for every team and every running back that maybe. if they lose their best offensive lineman, that suddenly 
that player stock tanks. I'm, I'm not. I'm not that concerned. I think Zeke. I mean, in our editorial fantasy football league, I, I took Zeke. I think over Kamara. Kamara, however, <laughs> reach. I just. Really? I think. I think Zeke's been in the league for two years. Like, I'm a little bit worried about Kamara. Like, obviously, he's not going to do what he did last year. Just like he would be the greatest running back ever if he kept doing that every single season. Um, so I'm not concerned about. Um, Zeke, I think he's going to get fed a lot. I mean, I just their their receiving corps is horrible. I don't think they're going to throw the ball that much. I think they're just going to pound it. Um, and no, I'm not concerned at all. And like you were saying, it sounds like the injury's not serious. I mean, if I were the Cowboys, I would not be playing Zeke the rest of the preseason. I would not be playing any offensive linemen. Um, if I was any team, really, that's I would be shutting it down. Yeah, maybe Sean McVay's onto something with that. On the other side of the ball, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals. Um, they gonna be good on offense, John, because they don't look good on offense right now. Well, I mean, they're cutting players on defense. I don't think they even care about their offense right now. They cut it. They cut uh, starting safety on Sunday. Yeah, but you know what? Let me let me touch on that real quick. Is I I, w- I won't say that move was shocking. It was surprising that it happened in mid August. But like, if you follow the Bengals at all this off season, the first thing they did after they hired Terrell Austin as defense coordinator, was they called up Kurt Coleman. They said, hey, man, you want to come play safety for us? Ended up signing with the Saints. Then they called up Eric Reed and said, hey, man, you want to come play safety for us? But then he wouldn't promise them he wouldn't kneel for the national anthem, so they wouldn't give him a contract. Then in the draft, they use a second-round pick on uh, Bates and say, hey, man, you want to come play safety for us? They literally just spent the entire offseason looking for someone that play safety for them. Uh, so... The fact that they're getting rid of one of their starters isn't completely surprising. Only the timing is the surprising part. As for their offense, I'm still not that concerned. I mean, it's kind of looked like trash through two weeks. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot going on there. They've got two new offensive linemen just trying to field their way through. Uh, New offensive line coach, too. A new offensive Eagles line the coach. Uh, you know, we've, they've got an offensive coordinator who's going into his first full season as the team's offensive coordinator, kind of installing stuff that wasn't there. He didn't have a full training camp to do this last year, uh, Bill Lazor. So I, I think that they're still kind of gelling, still kind of feeling all that stuff out. And they get to play Buffalo for the third preseason game, you know, which is like taking a nice uh, – They'll get a chance to gel there, I think. I, I don't think <laughs> Buffalo is that good. So if there's a team you're playing in week three or preseason when you've struggled a little bit, it is the Bills you want to play. And I think Dalton is going to light them up, and the first team will score at least two touchdowns. Uh, we already talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, who played the uh, Houston Texans. I want to touch on Deshaun Watson. And if you guys have something to chime in, by all means, dive on in. But I, I want to point out, I thought that Deshaun Watson looked really good, <laughs> considering that he tore his ACL in the middle of last season. Um, very mobile, mo- making all the right throws, able to play the offense. Like, you can tell it's going to focus around him. No DeAndre Hopkins out there. The thing that really stood out to me is that the, on third and one from the, like, two-inch line and fourth and one from the two-inch line, they or fourth and goal, excuse me, they threw the ball out of the shot out of shotgun, which either says, oh, my God, we trust Deshaun immensely, or, oh, my God, our offensive line is terrible. And that's the one red flag I have for the Texans is that their offensive line might just be total trash. Bruce Ellington, six targets, four catches, 50 yards and a touch um, worth noting there. James Winston and Marcus Mariota. Sean, uh, Sean, you're a huge James Winston fan. What did you think about James's performance? Did you watch any of that? I did, I did not watch it. Uh, well, he, had, uh, uh, he had one touchdown. I mean, he had a touchdown my, to Chris Godwin where he scrambled around, almost got hit, 
is throwing like up in the air, not looking at a receiver with like off of a um off of one leg, and he still managed to throw a touchdown. It was perfectly Jameis Winston. I mean, but that's like that's what Jameis Winston does, and like he's gonna have these incredible, you know, like Johnny Football type of plays that you're. I mean, he had one against the Bears a couple years ago where he ran around in the backfield into his own end zone and then threw a sixty yard bomb downfield, and like he's gonna do that, and I think that's what makes him so frustrating to me because he's gonna make those plays. Um, and then he's going to throw the backbreaking pick or, you know, he's just, he's going to have, he has so many peaks and valleys, um, that I just kind of think he is what he is at this point. And I've said it before, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like, I think he's going to have a long career and I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. I just don't see him ever making the leap from what he is right now, which is fine. He's good. You know, like you can build around a guy like that and be competitive, um, to a great quarterback because I think because he always makes those plays. He's going to force, you know, turnovers. And, I, you know, you're going to get get the good, which what you're describing to me sounds really good, and I haven't seen it. But you're going to also get the bad with it. And, like, that's just who he is, to me at least, and I don't see that changing. So, no, a preseason touchdown is not going to make me change my mind on Jameis Winston. <laughs> um, I mean, he's suspended three games. Like, I mean, I think the Bucks could be terrible this year. Like, I really – like, if you look at their schedule, um, they're going to go 0-3. They come back. I think they play the Bears – with Jameis Winston there, and obviously the Bears are just going to whack the Buccaneers. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I mean, that, that's a winnable they game. But, they might. But, um, um, no, I, I think the Buccaneers are going to be terrible this year. I really do. Uh, John, are you buying or selling the Marcus Mariota MVP hype train? Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I, you know who I do like is Tawan Taylor. Is it Tawan or Tawan? You, uh, you know what? First of all, let's get – let's. Let's make a promise now that we're going to get a linguist as our guest at some point. <laughs> My in the wife next actually has a, a she has a, a minor in, in linguistics, so we'll have uh, a. Well, we'll let's have make AK that happen as soon as possible, so I can get all these jaguars and Kamaras and uh, Taiwan Taiwans out of my system, out of your system, out of Sean's system. All right, so linguists, if you're listening, email Brinson. We'll get you on the show. <laughs> uh, I, I, man, I like the Titans. I'll tell you what. I was actually going to go to the game on Saturday night. It was in Nashville. Stadium is about 10 miles from where I live, but then it started raining and I didn't feel like sitting through the rain, but then it didn't rain really during the game. So maybe I just should have manned up and gone. I didn't. And like the Titans offense is fun to watch and, and I, nobody notices nobody because nobody watches Titans games. I mean, I hate to say that they're not a huge draw. We had the top two picks in the NFL draft from 2015 playing on Saturday night. And it is probably the least talked about preseason game of the week. Sean didn't even watch it, you know, like. That's that's what we're going at here. But you look at the Titans and and you know Marcus Mariota finally has receivers to throw to. They bring in Deion Lewis, so now I think they really have the lightning and thunder, or whatever Malarkey tried to call that offense uh, a couple of years exotic, ago. Exotic Smash Mouth. Ex- exotic Smash Mouth. So erotic, now I think they erotic can smash, actually run that Smash Face. Erotic Smash Face. <laughs> so I, I think the offense is stacked, uh, and so but again. Sean was talking about how Jameis is what he is, and Mariota hasn't really blown me away. He's an above-average quarterback, but I haven't seen anything great out of him in his three seasons. So he's going to have to step it up a notch if he's going to be an MVP candidate or if the Titans are going to win that division You know, now that the Jaguars are stacked and Deshaun Watson's likely going to be healthy for a full season. I will say this, um, and by the way, breaking-ish news as, we, uh, as we're here. David Moore of the Dallas Morning News reports, Cowboys have received the results of Zach Martin's MRI, and it's encouraging. Source said there's no significant injury to left knee, and he could be ready for opener against Carolina on September 9th. I would actually call that discouraging because it sounds like 
he might not be ready for the week one um, opener against the Panthers. That's a that's a problem if he's not ready for week one. But I mean, it's in other words, it sounds like whatever Jerry said on Saturday night was a ball of crap, which is not surprising. But maybe he's like, oh, we're optimistic. He's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But it sounds like he could have been a season-ending injury. Um, still, that's good news for uh, for the Dallas Cowboys there. He, he may not miss any regular season time. On the Titans very quickly, and I know um, I'm looking at the clock, and we are this this is no longer a 30-minute podcast. Sorry, folks. <laughs> um, but uh, the thing about Mariota versus Winston is I agree with you. Mariota hasn't shown us enough. But Mariota's been in a Mike Malarkey offense basically his entire career. And now he's going to be in a Matt LaFleur offense that stems out of Kyle Shanahan and um, and Sean McVay and in theory is going to do more to give him easier reads, easier throws. It's going to be more to his comfort level. Tawan Taylor, if, if you're drafting this week, do not let that dude go undrafted. Four catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. And Corey Davis has been banged up a lot this preseason, was banged up a lot as a rookie. Rashard Matthews is just AWOL with some kind of vague, undescribed injury. Delaney, Delaney Walker is older. Johnny Smith I like, but you know, he's not going to just usurp all those targets. Taylor is a guy that you can put at the line of scrimmage, run screens with, and he takes him to the house. He has a 47-yard touchdown on, on a play like that. Deion Lewis, great in, in pass catching. I still think Derrick Henry is going to get a ton of carries, and I would be surprised if he didn't lead them in rushing. Uh, two more games. Sean, you look like you're dying. Are you dying? I'm good. Okay. Um, wake him up with a little Bears talk here. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. What you think? What you think about uh, old old Mitchell getting sacked by Bradley Chubb in the end zone? What you think about that? You no, know you you really oversold. You like texted me about that sack, and I was like, oh, it's probably a horrible play. And I like watch it. It was a bad snap. The and fumble, he and he fell by on the time it. he picked right, it up, right, right. he was getting tackled. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, like, what are you watching? Like, come on. Quick no, no, I'm just as as Prisco would say. Oh wow, that's that's low. Um, I will say I, I will say this. I did tweet out some um some videos because you can do that in the preseason. The NFL doesn't care if you tweet out; they don't have any control over it. Um, I like what I saw a lot from Trey Burton in terms of working in that Mitchell. I like what I saw from Mitchell Trubisky too in this new offense. Trey Burton, they routinely on that first drive would line up um, like a bunch formation on the left side and then isolate Trey Burton on the right side, which is what you see the Patriots and the Chiefs do with Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey. And they would they would they would focus on letting Trey Burton be the guy who can make things happen in this offense. Five targets, four catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Anthony Miller, four targets, three catches, 33 yards. You know, Allen Robinson's not – didn't even play, I don't believe. Adam Shaheen may have gotten banged up a little bit, which only helps Trey Burton. I, I think that we were high on the Bears – we collectively high on the Bears offense and then cooled down a little bit because the hype got too much. I, they're just going to be a good offense. I think so, and I think – so I, I was going back right before we started recording this, and I was watching – um, the first team offense. What stuck out to me is how how much misdirection they're using, and they've got so much speed on that offense. I think the first play they ran a little screen. I want to say to Trey Burton, um, a little tight end screen, and they have um, Tariq Cohen going in motion across yeah, one yeah. way. You have a receiver going the other way, and then suddenly you're throwing a screen up the middle to Trey Burton, who's an athletic dude. And he makes uh, he know, makes he, the he makes the defensive tackle or linebacker whoever's coming back in. He makes yeah. a sick move around him. Right, right. And then suddenly you have three blockers in front of him, and he picks up a first down. And I think that they have so much speed on that offense, including at quarterback. And I think you're going to see Trubisky work a lot of play action, get outside the pocket. And I think they're going to create a lot of easy throws, something that John Fox um, just didn't do. And I, I think that's what I'm most encouraged about, is just looking at 
already, you know, second preseason game, you'd like to think it's not really the full offense even yet. And there's all, it just looks like a foreign offense compared to last year. Like there's misdirection, there's tight end screens, you have a tight end. Like I think after watching this game, I think you're right. Like I think Trey Burton um, could be a top 10 fantasy um, tight end. And I, um, so I'm, I'm very encouraged. Um, I kind of like, and this is going to sound like um, very like the hot Bears. takey of me oh. or whatever, but um, the interception he threw. Um, he, we have reached the point in the podcast where Sean is now hyping up an interception. His reaction was great because he, his, his he reaction to Tariq Cohen, and I think he was he got really mad at Tariq Cohen, and Matt Nagy had to calm him down. I mean, this is like a preseason game, like like in, in a way, just chill, man. You know what I mean? Uh, but it was nice to see him have that fire. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, you guys are laughing at me, but I, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it was cool to see that out of, you know, second preseason game, throwing an interception and actually getting that mad. And if you watch the play, I think Cohen just ran a really bad route. And like, I like the fact that he's getting on his, his teammate and telling him like, you can't, you know, you got it. You can't sell me out there. Like, so. No, you like the fire and the leadership. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good. Uh, it's a good call. Um, John, did you, I don't know how much of this you watched. It was a late game. I stayed up. I was sitting on my couch, like watching replays of this. Um, do you think there's any chance that John Elway wants Chad Kelly to win the starting job? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I think you went out and you signed Case Keenum. Uh, you, John Elway has some sort of love for Paxton Lynch that no one in the world can understand. It's a, it's like, just cut the guy, you know, like he's getting booed in preseason games. That is pretty much the lowest level that you can reach in the NFL is getting booed in a preseason game. It's happened two weeks in a row. Like put the guy out of his misery, cut him, admit you made a mistake, move on, give Chad Kelly the backup shot. He's been clear. I mean, when Chad Kelly got drafted, uh, you know, I think I wrote that story cause he was Mr. Irrelevant. Yep. And I wrote that he was probably the best quarterback on the roster. Cause at that time it was Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly, but Chad Kelly wasn't healthy. So we never knew, you know, didn't get to find out what he, how good he was last year. Uh, but no, I did not think that John Elway wants Chad Kelly to start. He is way too proud with his quarterback stuff. He went out and he brought Case Keenum in. Case Keenum's going to be the starter. And uh, so cut Paxton Lynch. He's going to start. They're going to start Case Keenum. And I don't think we'll see Chad Kelly unless uh, old Case gets hurt. Smattering of booze for Chad Kelly, though, worth noting. Uh, I mean, excuse me, for, for Case Keenum after the first team offense looked like crap. I'll cut him, too. Yeah, cut, cut, him, him, cut him all. Start Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly had a strike to uh, Cortland Sutton for a touchdown in that game. I don't think he's going to take the job, but it ha- like, I think Elway, if Case Keenum, if they struggle out of the gates and they're not good, I think Elway will try and go to Chad Kelly to be like, oh, look, hey, old Johnny boy found himself a quarterback. I, I got one, guys. I got one. Look at this. Mr. Irrelevant, Jim Kelly's nephew. You know, I played with, I drafted with him in 84. This guy can play. I, I could just see him. John Elway does not sound like this at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he's more gravelly and he, uh, he, John Kelly's, I mean, John, John Kelly, John Elway's the smoothest cat on the planet. He always shows up at the combine with like big Ray, like, like just like Ray-Bans and like a leather jacket and he's just strutting around huge chest. It's, I like, I like old John Elway. He's uh he's pretty cool. Uh, final game. And I don't care. It's over. Look, this is gonna be an hour long podcast. It's just how long this podcast is going to be when we recap Sundays. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's going to take that long. Right, John? 
I no 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 apologies. When Brinson says something's going to be thirty minutes, I automatically tack on thirty <laughs> minutes. And then when we're podcasting with someone in Pacific time zone, that adds thirty minutes somehow. <laughs> I don't think that's how time zones works, but that's how it does on this podcast. I hope that I hope that you rented that room you're in for at least an hour and a half, Sean. <laughs> um, uh, the Seahawks. So look, the the Chargers. Here's here's my takeaway from Charger Seahawks. I stayed up and watched the whole stupid thing because I had to plug the stupid score into the stupid takeaways post at one stupid a.m. in the morning. A um, couple of things. Mike Williams, one catch, one target, 25 yards, one touchdown. It was a great catch. It was a mossing from Geno Smith, a little bit underthrown. Um, but I thought that my I think Mike Williams is the guy. If we're trying to find somebody who can who can fill the void left by Hunter Henry on that Chargers offense. It's Mike Williams, big target, not necessarily the fastest guy in the world. I mean, but, you know, had started at Clemson, top 10 pick. I think he can be an important piece for the Chargers. Phillip Rivers, 6-7, six 62 yards, looked fantastic, carved up the, uh, the, the Seahawks defense early on. Geno Smith, actually 6-8, of eight, didn't look terrible. Um, Melvin Gordon ran pretty well, 10 of 35, 10 for 35 with a touchdown. That's Melvin Gordon's numbers, right? Like, like high volume, low yards per attempt. Always finds the end zone. That's who he's going to be this year. Um, Seahawks are probably more interesting from an offensive perspective. C.J. Procise, if he's active and he's playing, he only had three carries for 12 yards, but he had six catches for 35 yards. He could be a PPR monster. I think it was Jerron Brown, two catches for 74 yards. David Moore, guys, of course, you've heard of, two catches for 71 yards. Russell Wilson was throwing it deep. He might just have to be – Russell Wilson might just have to throw – might lead the league in passing this year just because their defense isn't good and he has to throw a ton. And then uh, Chris Carson fumbled on the one-yard line when Melvin Ingram stripped him, but for the most part was you know, – he, he's the guy. I mean, I think this rookie running back class, we didn't touch on it with the Buccaneers. Ronald Jones is, is, is just not getting any run. Peyton Barber's getting all the run. And Rashad Penny's got a broken finger, so Chris Carson's taking over. I'm staying away from this rookie running back class um, unless those guys fall into drafts. Is there is there anything from this game that you want to focus on, John? Well, let me just say that whenever I watch a Chargers preseason game, the only reason I'm watching is to see if someone suffers a season-ending injury. <laughs> That's so horrible. And, uh, of course, that happens. I think it was Jalen Watkins now that, that might be out for the season. But the other yeah. thing about this game that I'm going to tie back to earlier in the podcast, this game – is the reason you don't throw away a first or second round pick trading for Teddy Bridgewater. Look at the backup quarterbacks in this game playing against the second and third team. These you already mentioned Geno Smith. Cardale Jones had a big game. You know, like uh and I know our linguist isn't here. Sean, it's your last name. Is it Alex McGough or Alex McGuff? The last the, the back. So my name is McGough. This quarterback calls himself Magoo. And so Oh my I god, have, I heard about I was losing it last night. I have completely distanced myself from him. I want nothing <laughs> I don't want to be associated with this guy. He we have different names. Okay. It's not the okay. same. Why but didn't for what people a, who don't have spell check in front of them, they're spelled the same way. What why person? didn't why didn't – how did I botch this where I didn't get audio of them saying – them being like, Magoo throws it again. <laughs> God, why did I not have that? They were saying it last night. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's name is just like Sean's, and they say Magoo. This is perfect. I'm going to get that. They also, the Seahawks also have Bobby Wagner too. So I know, really Wagner Magoo. Perfect, but. Yeah. God. But, uh, but here we are. Alex Magoo, who I'm sure 50% of football fans have never heard of. Have you out. heard of Alex Magoo? I've never heard of Alex Magoo. It, Went out, went 9-12, 97 yards, and a touchdown. You know, should the Jaguars trade for him in bench Blake Bortles? That's what happens when you're playing against second and third string defenses. You're putting up these huge numbers. Uh, and so that's why I'm not 
say, like, I'm impressed with Teddy Bridgewater, but not that impressed. Trade for Alex Magoo, not Teddy Bridgewater. That's what I say. Uh, As for the rest of the game, you already said everything, Brinson. Russell Wilson might have to throw 50 times a game. Phillip Rivers didn't play much. So besides the Chargers trying to stay healthy and Alex Magoo tearing up the Chargers, I didn't really have much else to take away from that game. All right. My takeaway, sorry, my my takeaway is that Brinson's definitely picking the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl. Did you hear the way he was talking about Mike Williams? One catch, and he's he's replaced (laughs) Hunter Henry already. This guy. Love at first sight. Oh, my God. No, I'm, you know what? I'm going to fall on the sword and not pick the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl just so that way the Chargers can go to the Super Bowl. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wager on the on the side about on the Chargers. We have our Super Bowl picks coming up in the next week or two, right? So we'll find out who Brinson's going to take. He's been – he was on the Chargers hype train, and then someone – he got booted off by the conductor. I don't know what happened. I and booted now, myself. He was on I the Cardinals con- hype train last year. I don't know which hype train Brinson's on right now. I'm going to tell you something. He's picking the, ti- he's picking the Titans. Uh, like He's going to pick like the Titans out of the AFC against uh, – he's not going to pick the Bears. That's that's too far out there. Far out. I could see him doing a little Cardinals again. <laughs> Titans, Rams. Ooh, uh, that seems like a he likes that. Yeah. Titans, uh, Titans, Falcons. I've, Titans, Falcons. I've thought about. It's either, I, mean, I think I'm picking the Falcons to win it. I mean, I'm either going to go all bird and go Falcons, Ravens, or go Falcons, Titans. But Falcons, Titans. When you say it out loud, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Brenton, that's. Are you I, mad? I, I don't even want to talk about Super Bowl picks because well, that's not spoilers. Get awkward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got plenty of time in the next few weeks to do it. Plus, we're almost at an hour, which means that. At least one of our bosses is going to yell at me for talking too much. But this is a fun podcast, and we covered a lot, and we learned that Sean pronounces his name McGee. So, for John Breach and Sean Wagner McGough, McGough. McGough. Uh, I'm Will Brinson. Uh, follow Breach at John Breach on Twitter, at Sean J. Wagner on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Pick6Pod. Make sure to subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Rate and review. Thank you for listening. It's a blast, guys.